to him who loved us and who washed us from our sins by his blood and made us kings and priests to God the Father. To him be all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today's sermon text echoed in that hymn you just sang and another hymn to come is from uh, Matthew chapter 13. But before I get to it, in Christ's name, let me mention, first of all, this chapter of the Bible I call, I don't know if anyone else does, the, the parable chapter. There are more parables in this chapter than any other chapter in the Bible. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be in it for three Sundays in a row, looking at parables, looking at parables. And with this first one, there could be, at least to learn about it, a good question. Matthew 13, the, the opening parable itself, is the parable of the question mark. Question mark. Although some of you may not think so, at least to, to study this parable, there, there could be a, a number of options, at least from our perspective, on the title of this parable, and that's true of almost every other parable in the Bible. Only two parables, they're both in this chapter, are named by Scripture. And the titles that we later give a parable can, can make all the difference. In Luke chapter 15, there is that parable, actually it's one-third of a three-part parable with the parable of the, the shepherd going to find the one lost sheep, the woman looking for the one lost coin. There's that parable of the father and his two sons. One takes off, comes back, and is restored. We often call that parable what? The parable of the prodigal son, and that skews our view of that parable, I think, horribly. Because that parable is not about, primarily, that younger son. It's more about the elder son, actually. And it's most of all about the father and his extravagant prodigal, if you will, love for that rebellious kid. It should be called the parable of the loving father, I think. This one here, I think, could be called the parable of the seed. At least when coordinated with other scriptures we have today in worship, our lectionary uh, tagged this with Isaiah chapter 55. And there we see the mention of seed, one of my favorite sections. I hope you know this too. 
Isaiah prophesies really in God's name for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's a, a big message today. Even, yes, in this parable, the seed, we know from Mark's version of this parable, is the, the word of God. And that word has power. That's why we sang the opening hymn, Thy Strong Word, and traced all that it does throughout scripture thy strong word this word this seed is powerful amazingly I mean even as the theme for today says from an earthly perspective I can't fathom how a, 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 a tiny seed can can grow my wife and I in our younger days had a vivacious garden now it's mostly weeds and one year we planted okra, tiny, tiny seeds in a tiny, tiny spot of the garden, not realizing <laughs> how big those plants would get from, from a tiny seed. God's word is powerful. It's not the main point of this parable, but it needs to be said with, with all the rest here today. God's word works, sometimes in ways we cannot see, but it works. We need to know that as, as a church with our, our joint mission, individuals as you're seeking to, to witness to Jesus and share his word in your daily life, it has power, it has power, it has power. And I decided to pick one specific application today. I am a big proponent, thank you, of bringing children into worship. We must without a nursery these days. And I know parents dealing with children in the pews or in the seats in Ignite may feel frustrated that they're not getting anything out of worship dealing with the kids. My wife so much more than I had to deal with that. And I am here to tell you on the basis of Isaiah 55, that's not true. Even if consciously you don't realize what the word is doing, you can't leave this building without the benefits of the word. God's, God's grace coming into your life. Indeed, bringing forth fruit. Please know that. Parents and all. As we, we receive and share that word, this parable could be emphasizing that. There, there's power to this seed, even, even in some of the most awkward places for it, it. It starts to grow. But those places, I think, really are the turning point of this parable. And if, if I were naming it, I might name it the parable of the soils. 
In the next few weeks, I will share with you both from the pulpit and then through our emails a, a lot of things about parables and and two week or one week from now I'll emphasize that parables parables can be examined in three ways. You, there's fancy Latin words for this. There, there's the, the root of the parable. What, what caused the parable to be told? In Luke chapter 15, when Jesus told the parables of the, of the seeking shepherd and, and, and the woman and the father, um, it was because he had the religious leaders around him grumbling that he was eating with sinners. Those are the people he wants, right? And that provoked the parable. We may not know the root cause of, of this parable. Some don't have a context. But we should always look at the, the shell of the parable. Laura did a good job actually going through some of that in the children's message today. Seed falling on uh, the, the, the path, falling on rocky soil, falling amongst thorns, falling in good soil. And that's the third thing, the heart of the parable. A parable's point can usually be phrased just as blank, 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 so also in the kingdom of heaven. The old Sunday school definition, my email this week says, is the best, I think. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So let's look here at this parable. Those seeds that fall along the path. Jesus explains the evil one snatches. There are people who, who may have the word hitting their eardrums but not going inside for whatever reason. And the devil grabs them away. But there are some, maybe even some within the veil of the church who fall upon rocky soil. Yes, they believe with joy. They come to a church perhaps and, and, and love the pastor who's preaching or the, the organist's music. And they're filled with joy, but there's no depth there. And Jesus emphasizes here when, when persecutions come when there's problems in the church or they're losing friends because of that newfound faith and grace, they fall away. And there are some who indeed find themselves amongst thorns. I think very much in the church. I know I fall here so often. Knowing the word, growing maybe vigorously, but also along with weeds. Jesus describes those weeds as the cares of this world. We get preoccupied with COVID-19 or politics or finances or our physical health. When we know we've got the resurrection of the body, we've got the king of kings. We have got perfect healing awaiting us forever in heaven. But those worries choke out our growth. Jesus wants us to be good soil. With the word sown in 
hearts of repentance crumbled by God's law, realizing our need, then moistened with his good news that Jesus is our savior. Your sins are forgiven. He is with you always. And producing fruit, I'll come back to that. Indeed. This could be the, the, the main point of the parable. The, the soils here as a point of comparison. But I must tell you, years and years, maybe 20 years ago, I preached on this sermon and had the sermon mostly prepared when I finally realized what some of you I actually heard a second ago, realized that this is the one parable that's titled by Jesus. Did you notice that in verse 18? Jesus emphasized here the parable of the sower, he called it. He himself. Jesus must be the main point of any other comparisons, any other parable. We're going to see this in two weeks where we, I believe, completely miss Jesus in a parable. The sower is most important here. Yes, the seed has power, but it's got to be cast. The, the soil needs to be there but it must be prepared. Jesus told another parable about that. The sower must take the initiative to scatter the seed, to send the seed, the word of God, and it's happened for you. Before we ever turn to this parable, before we ever came in this door, before we ever turned to Jesus and were baptized in his spirit, the Bible says, Indeed, before the creation of the world, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took the initiative to come to us with this word, this powerful word of grace. We dare not miss that this is the parable of the sower. Maybe all parables are the parable of Christ and how he works living, dying, rising for us, coming to us so that we may come to him and grow. I believe that last line in both the parable and the explanation that there is fruit produced a hundredfold, 60, 30, is really a gospel message. There's different amounts there. It's not the quantity that matters. Fruit is produced in your life as you go forth it may be very noticeable, you think, I think, but it may not be. It doesn't matter. It's producing fruit by the sower. So yes, maybe I can call this parable the parable of the seed with that powerful word at work in our lives. In the potent soil, repentant faith worked again today, sown most important of all, by the precious Savior.